Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Anacrusic Podcast. You are listening to episode number 16. Today on TAP, I'm talking all about why I teach. Hey, party people! My name is Anne Molesky, and I'm the music teacher and curriculum designer behind Anacrusic.com. I'm all about making your teaching life less stressful so you can take a breath and love each and every moment you spend making music with kids. This podcast is all about discovering your most purposeful, joyful, and sequential music teacher heart through meaningful conversations and a little teacher talk. So grab a cup of coffee and kick up your feet because it's time for the Anacrusic Podcast. Okay, everybody, I'm sure that this is the point in the year where you are wrapping things up or at least starting to think about wrapping things up if you have a little bit of time left in your academic year. So today I want to share something because I was going through some of my old files on my computer and I came across this paper that I wrote talking about why I teach. And I want to read it to you today on the podcast. It's not going to be super researchy with citations or anything like that that. It's just totally a narrative. But I started reading through it. I'm like, wow, like so much of this really resonates with who I am today as a teacher. And so I wanted to share it with you. Now, when it talks about the present time in this uh, paper, I'm going to read to you. The date on it was December 9th of 2012. So obviously this is not the present day. If I'm talking about a current teaching situation, it's not the current teaching situation that I am in. But It's a teaching situation that 2012 Anne was in. So without further ado, I just want to read this to you and leave you with some of the thoughts from this paper about why I teach. I remember in fourth grade writing a paper for career day. Many of my friends were focused on becoming a doctor, a veterinarian, a lawyer, a princess, or another far-reaching profession of which we really knew nothing about at the ripe age of nine years old. There aren't very many days in elementary school that stick out in my mind, with the exception of my performance as The Littlest Christmas Tree, to which I can still sing every word of the solo, and my speech in Mrs. Weaver's class about what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to be a band director. Most would have attributed my ambition to my father. I was always going to marching band competition, or on the train to the Midwest Clinic, or to watch him judge solo and ensemble. It wasn't those specific tasks which drew me to the idea of the career, but rather spending my life immersed in music. It's something I could never stay away from and to this day have to be sharing with other people in my life since it has changed me and continues to today. That's why, after years of diligent trumpet studying and taking professional auditions, I teach elementary music. When I first began my career in the classroom, I was at a very privileged campus. Music lessons and choir memberships were a dime a dozen. The families took their children to the symphony and the opera and every other high society gathering they could get their hands on. Regardless of a sense of quote-unquote arts advocacy, which was really an excuse for a social life rather than making the world a more beautiful place, I didn't realize how important what I do and what I teach is until I moved on to a more diverse population. Where I teach now, there are kids who live in million-dollar homes, and there are kids who don't know where they are sleeping each night. 
Some donate food for the holiday can drive, and others run down the door Monday morning because they haven't had anything to eat all weekend. Going to the symphony or keeping up with the Joneses is the last thing on many of these children's minds. For them, school isn't a hoop to jump through. It's one of the only places they feel safe. I never thought about music in terms of what it can do for these children. I thought about music as an essential vehicle to get more patrons in the concert hall and to buy tickets so my friends who have jobs in the city orchestra can pay their bills. And admittedly, that's still part of it. But the reason to get them going to the concert hall has nothing to do with selling tickets. It has everything to do with instilling the transformative power of music in our youth. The more we've read and discussed how schools came into existence and have evolved over the years, the more cynical I become about the ideal of a free and public education. Although it has been this way since virtually the beginning of time, so much of what we see in the schools has zero to do with what is best for our kids. Our testing systems are punishing the students to hold teachers accountable, and our classrooms are often constructed in a completely counterintuitive fashion dictated by these quote-unquote standards. Children cease to be children. They aren't given the opportunity to interact with one another nor their world in a way that will perpetuate quality contributions to society. Rather, they are trained to be machines, cranking out score after score, which has no real-life application past the end of the week. When do we start having school for someone other than our kids? I've gained great awareness of the attempt to solve several social problems through the interface of public education. Granted, a child cannot go hungry and have his or her mind work correctly, and many of the other programs in place for kids are essential for their comfort or survival. Many of these necessities, in conjunction with the high-stakes testing and stress factors our children face, inhibit their intellectual growth. They are not always given a place for their mind to thrive other than the classroom environment, which has been tainted with our test-oriented society. Where does the joy fit in? Where does a child's innate desire to work and to create order in his or her environment exist in the school day? A student can blossom in the music classroom. There is no other place where a student can be empowered both intrinsically and extrinsically and contribute to an art form that has no bearing on whether or not they progress to the quote-unquote next step. It is fluid. Music allows students to take certain parameters and explore their own creativity within a medium that allows for interpretation. They can immerse themselves into their own subconscious and explore an emotional delicacy they may not experience in another subject area. They are not tested at high stakes and are able to work with other classmates to make something beautiful, unique to their own talents, rather than hitting a bullseye for someone else's target. What they create in the music room is unique to the people, to the hour, to the moment, and cannot be replicated again. It would be difficult to find another subject area in which children can transform themselves in such a way. Music is often categorized into the specials in the elementary schools. This doesn't imply special in terms of unique or necessary, but rather extraneous and disposable. The attitude that music is separate from academics is ludicrous, and not only because there is research to prove music improves math scores. That superficial defense of the arts is only downplaying its importance in the role of creating independent thinkers in our youth. I'm a firm believer that music is not special, but rather the core. Children have no choice but to synthesize several content areas in the music classroom. They take language syntax, subdivisions, and other mathematical equations and equate them to appropriate times in history and repertoire from different parts of the world, not to mention the scientific mechanisms which must be understood to properly perform on an instrument, including the human voice. The ability to play in an ensemble requires great communication and community skills as well as the confidence and security needed to play as an individual. 
Isn't music the most interdisciplinary of all the disciplines? The free thinking needed to execute tasks in the music room is exorbitant. There are various abstract concepts students must internalize and pointedly feel before they are able to see success in the music room, and that success is in itself extremely subjective. There are wrong or right rhythms, but there are improvisations. We have loud and soft, and we have crescendos and diminuendos. Unlike any other subject, which is black and white, music has a beautiful sea of gray each and every young musician can explore without the fear of acting in error. The safest place for a child may very well be the music classroom. That proverbial sea of gray may be the only place they can sail without fear. They are given parameters and direction, but the wind may blow where it will, and the waves can take them to wherever they wish to be. How can a student not feel success where they are the beholder? It is, however, important not to get carried away with the frills and transcendent nature of the music classroom. While it has an inarguable amount of relevance, there are other necessary evils we must incur to balance the scale. We as educators are charged with pep rallies, contests, festivals, football games, programs, and other high-stakes environments, which have the ability to undo all of the good we focus on in our classrooms. However, if we are diligent in presenting these opportunities as sharing events to gain appropriate feedback, rather than as make-or-break moments, they will not, in fact, break the magic. Regardless, it may sometimes be difficult to put a numerical score to children's artistic creations. In turn, a student must not necessarily know what is good, but what there is in general. If they are constantly bombarded with the simplistic, not necessarily bad, music in our popular culture and media, they may become numb to something more complex and beautiful. However, beauty in music is also in the eye of the beholder. If music resonates with a student through a repetitive rhythm and a pop song, then I believe that is a musical success. Not only may it lead them to another musical genre with more depth, but in and of itself, it can be very powerful if it reaches that individual on a certain level. It is our responsibility to show our students the music of the quote-unquote greats and the music of the quote-unquote not-so-greats. After all, how can they discriminate between what is good or bad in their own aural picture if they do not have a vast range in which to sample? The palate can change after trying taste on either extreme, and it can also evolve to appreciate something different even if it is not the most delicious. It is our responsibility to show our students how to experience beauty. For an individual who decides they are not good at anything and struggle in all of their classes, music can be the one place he feels he belongs, where he can excel at something and be part of a group. Many students come to school for those experiences to belong to a meaningful group, and it has normally nothing to do with algebra, unless you're talking time signatures. The bottom line is kids need music in schools. They have been beat down so much in life from every direction. They struggle through school trying to create and maintain an identity, although they haven't really lived long enough to form one. They are told to make important decisions, which will affect the rest of their lives when they have no concept of what is important in life. They are told to pass this test, to complete this task, and to behave and be a role model. When are they able to be themselves? When are they able to be creative and work as a human being rather than a machine or a number on the assembly line? In the music classroom, at least they are part of the whole where the picture is not complete rather than a disposable, replaceable mechanism. It isn't just kids who need music. Parents and families and couples and individuals in our society need it too. I have been hard-pressed to find a single person in my room who is unhappy or frustrated when performing a folk dance or listening to Christmas carols. They are finding that innate joy in music and sharing something with a community they could not find anywhere else. 
Music can provide that sense of community in places where life seems sort of drab and hopeless. As educators, I believe it's our responsibility to find opportunities to share our gift whenever we can. I became a music teacher because I love children and I found great joy in making music with them each and every day. Now, as I have progressed in my teaching career, I go to work every day for so many more reasons than to smile and sing. That is still a driving factor, but I teach because I strongly believe the kids and the families in my school need a solid musical presence in their community. I am fortunate to be in the presence of very musical children. Many take private piano lessons and are part of the community children's theater and are active in their church or community children's choir. I don't go to work for those kids. There are days where they get me through the rough patches, but I keep going back because I am bound and determined to hook the others. There are so many kids who are quiet and shy or introverted. They sit in their classrooms quietly and frustrated and blossom when they come to the music room. It may not be the whole time. It may be for one activity in my 45-minute class I catch them smiling. But if it was their only smile for the whole week, it means everything. Most of all, I go to work for the kid who still hasn't smiled in my classroom. The one who walks with her head facing down or shouts out in anger or frustration at her classmates and teachers because she hasn't learned to deal with what she feels inside. She's the one who keeps me going back. The 45 minutes she's in my room is the hardest for me all week. I psych myself up for it and dread it all at the same time. When she smiles for a split second, I can give myself a point toward the win, even though she's having an emotional outburst a second later. Maybe, just maybe, she was given a glimpse at what she is capable of doing and how good she is capable of feeling. Those are the children who need music more than anything else. They don't have a place in their home or with friends or in their grade-level classroom. They feel out of place and have nowhere to turn with the feelings they don't understand. There are so many adults who find themselves in the same position. They can't express themselves the way they need to and can't resolve whatever conflict may be deep inside of them. Music can give that outlet to anyone, but no one will know or remember the power if we don't show them. I am a firm believer that music education is much more than making sure music stays within the school systems. We are in a very stressful and cynical world where relationships are secondary to business and careers, and we are quick to sacrifice mental health and happiness for materials. If we could somehow give everyone a chance to breathe in new life through music or other artistic mediums, our world would be a much better place. But it's up to us as music educators to be the advocates for music education, not only in schools, but in the world. The schools and the communities don't just need us, but the music needs us as well. Everyone has an iPad and an iPhone and has music playing in the grocery store or their car, but we are at risk of losing an invaluable part of our culture and society. There is an innate pulse and necessity in music that is evident even in babies who bounce along to the television screen. There's an appreciation and understanding hardwired into us as human beings, which must be developed and extended not only through music education K-12, through but throughout our lives. It is our job to create awareness and instill the realization of the importance of art. My hope is that we always remember how valuable our investment is when it comes to our children. We are perpetuating the next generation. How could we ever live with ourselves if music ceased to exist? Music is not for music's sake, but for the emotional makeup of our children who become our world. Thanks for listening to the Anna Krusik Podcast. For more details and information from this episode, check out the show notes on anacrusik.com. While you're there, sign up to be an Anna Krusik Insider so you get all my inside tips, tricks, and resources made just for you. 
It only takes a second and you'll get instant access to my free resource library. Also, if you found this episode entertaining, exciting, or informative, don't forget to share with your music besties or leave a review on iTunes.